0: Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Welcome to our series entitled Infinitely More. Uh, We are glad you know, Pentecost Sunday is when the power of the Holy Spirit came. And, uh, you know, figuratively, we were without the power, losing electric uh, this morning. And the electric company fixed the fuse and we are back on. So we want to make sure as a believer that we are connected to the source. I trust your spiritual fuse has not gone out and that uh, you are ready for what God has in store here as a part of Alder Assembly of God and a part of our Pentecost Sunday service. So this is our series, Infinitely More. We've looked at kind of a theme verse and working our way through some of the uh, discussion about Jesus, the journey of Jesus. Our theme verse has been Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and it reads like this. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power. We stop right there. It is God. It is God's power. Now, we're thankful today for AEP, American Electric Power, supplying this facility, but it is God. He is able through His mighty power. It's at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So each week, kind of using that as the guide, we've been uh, bringing... uh, This thought a little bit closer and closer, looking at this journey of Jesus Christ, his promises, his power, his plans for our lives. Last week, we looked at a whole bunch of I will statements, some great, encouraging things. Jesus said, I will, I will, I will. And what we saw was uh, many times you and I, uh, when we promise something or someone promises something to us, it doesn't always happen. I'm sure you can look at yourself and say that you've been let down and maybe that you've let others down. But what we looked at last week is when Jesus says, I will, he follows through. So we looked at a bunch of I will statements, and part of that was the plan. He says, I will send the Holy Spirit. So today, Pentecost Sunday, we're going to take a look a little bit at who is the Holy Spirit. And hopefully have a little bit better understanding of who he is, how he works, how he operates in our hearts and lives. Put it to you like this. There was a man who visited the Sistine Chapel. He couldn't wait to arrive and see the wonder and splendor of the artist Michelangelo to see what he did with paint and color. How many of you would love to be able to go and maybe see that in person? Uh, How many of you say, uh, if I could see it in person from the comfort of my home and not leave... uh, I'm getting some heads nodded on that. All right. Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo. This individual had read books and seen pictures, but he wanted to visit. He wanted to see it firsthand. So with the excitement building in his heart, he walked in the front doors, and he was hit with what could only be described as a feeling of complete and utter... Disappointment. Yes, he was actually underwhelmed by the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Everything he saw, for whatever reason, looked faded and gray. The colors that seemed to jump off the pages of the books that he had read just did not seem to be as colorful in person. In his disappointment, he found one of the curators there and bluntly asked, Hey, What happened? Where's the color, the life, and all the brilliance that I've heard about? The curator simply said, follow me. As the curator uh, curator walked the man through the halls, he pointed out all of the candles that were continually burning. He said because they continually burn, the soot and the ash from the candles would create a dull film on the ceiling and the walls. As they continued their walk, the curator pointed to a space on the ceiling that had just been completely restored. This restoration process uses special chemicals to remove thick layers of soot and smoke that had been covering the ceiling. The man stood back, looked up in amazement and wonder as he took in Michelangelo's masterpiece and thought this. It was actually better than he had imagined. Better than he had imagined. In a similar way, uh, there's probably a lot of smoke and soot blowing around perhaps about the Holy Spirit. Depending on your life, depending on your background, your upbringing, uh, what you know about God and or church and some of your background, your personal experience. Maybe you've come in even today to hold assembly of God to Pentecost Sunday with some uh, thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you, maybe new to Alder Assembly of God, maybe even watching or listening online, maybe are a little unfamiliar, maybe hearing about the Holy Spirit for the first time. So wherever you might be in your journey with God, someone who has walked with God and, and uh, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, been a Christian for many, many years, or, or someone who's brand new to Jesus Christ, what we're looking to do today is, is kind of figuratively... Maybe take that damp cloth and kind of wipe away a little bit of smoke and soot and maybe confusion that exists about the Holy Spirit. And hopefully allow the brilliance and the power of the Holy Spirit to shine through in all of his glory. So as we start, let me just revisit quickly one of those I will statements from last week. If you were here and and with us and you jotted down some notes, one of those uh, scriptures was from John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate or the counselor or the Holy Spirit won't come if I do go away, then I will send him to you. One of the promises, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit. When he leaves, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, send this advocate, send this counselor. He'll be a helper. He is the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew he would go. He would send the Holy Spirit to come. He knew that the Spirit of God is not limited in human or physical body or location. The the Holy Spirit would move across the world, impacting hearts and lives individually. This one who was to come, this Holy Spirit he was sending, would not just live among them, but live within them. So who is the Holy Spirit? That's right. The Holy Spirit is not a what-what. But the Holy Spirit is a who? First of all, let's understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a force. Uh, This is not Star Trek. This is not Star Wars. You know, just use the force, Luke. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is not just this Impersonal, un, uh, you know, undescribable force that just kind of oozes out into culture and into society. It's not some mystical being. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, you might hear about uh, and, and speak about and understand about what's called the Trinity God the Father. God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. All three parts of the Trinity, three parts of the Godhead. It's a little challenging as humans understanding it's three in one. Not three different gods, but three in one. One God in three persons. The Holy Spirit is a person. So it's not this force. It's not this electrical force. Though we're thankful for electricity, we keep repeating that throughout the day, but it's not a force or a mystical being. The Holy Spirit's not just the blowing of a wind, although sometimes that's the effects. The uh, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, there were some of the effects of the Holy Spirit coming, but the Holy Spirit is not just blowing of a wind, not just the roaring of a fire. The Holy Spirit is not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling. Let me help you understand. The Holy Spirit is not goosebumps on the back of your neck. Now, sometimes in a service or sometimes when you're alone with God, you're reading the Bible, you're praying, sometimes we can kind of sense our response to the Holy Spirit. And yes, sometimes there can be an emotional response, but that's not the Holy Spirit. The, goose, the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps on your arm. You might have that sense. You might have that emotional response of what God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is doing in you. But the Holy Spirit is not the goosebump. The, the Holy Spirit is not the force. The Holy Spirit is a person and able to impact you, able to impact me in a personal way. Now, let's understand this as well. Simply because he is a person and able to impact us in a personal way does not mean that he is a human. So that's a, a little bit of a challenging thing to understand, but he does demonstrate the traits of personhood, having emotions, communicating with others, expressing a will. But the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a person. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, let's see what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Obey what I have to say. Verse 16, I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Stop right there. This is Jesus, the Son of God, talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, notice in just these handful of verses how many times Jesus uses that word him or he. He's not saying that it or this force or this universal something or other is coming. He talks about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. He says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is talking and speaking and teaching you and I that the holy spirit is a person it's not an it it's not a feeling he uses uh, the words him or he to describe him again holy spirit is the third part third person of the trinity expresses, certainly is expressed in in multiple ways. As we read through the word of God, we see the evidence of uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in different ways. Sometimes in in a mighty rushing wind, sometimes in the the warmth of a fire, sometimes the uh, overwhelming emotion that sometimes takes place in, in worship or in seeking God. The power of the Holy Spirit moves upon our hearts and lives, but is a person. So right off the bat, Hopefully what we understand and come to know, Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit is a person. But the balance of our time, let's look at a couple of things. What does the Holy Spirit do? You see, the Holy Spirit works in hearts and works in lives, the believer and the unbeliever, and is doing a handful of jobs and tasks. And so let's look at a second thought for today about who the Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. First of all, we've seen that the Holy Spirit is a person. Secondly, understand that it's the Holy Spirit who draws. The Holy Spirit draws us to God. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I raise them up at the last day. It's God through the power of the Holy Spirit that draws your heart and draws my heart to him constantly drawing or nudging or trying to bring us back into a relationship with God now when we talk about drawing we you know we're not talking about artwork But that drawing, that nudging, how many of you, maybe uplifted hand, you would say, I've kind of sensed at some point this kind of nudging or drawing, believing that the Holy Spirit is leading, nudging, guiding me towards something to, to grow in God. A bunch of hands. So this nudging, this drawing. Now, sometimes uh, I've heard people describe it in a bunch of different ways, right? How the Holy Spirit nudges or draws. and In some cases, people would say, oh, it's this sweet nudge, uh, uh, just this gentle drawing of my heart to God. And then other people, uh, maybe, you know, you've been a Christian for a while and kind of straying, and some people feel like this nudging or drawing is almost like they've been kind of slapped upside the head like, hey, buddy. However you might describe it, this drawing towards, this nudging towards God, that is what the Holy Spirit does. And and there's this kind of battle, if you would say, kind of in in the heart and in the mind and in the life of an unbeliever, God is desiring to reach those who don't know him. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that he draws them to him. Now, certainly, he can use you and he can use me to preach and and to teach and to live our life to the Lord. But how many of you know, as much as we want to, we can't make somebody turn to God. I mean, I'm sure if you've got a family member who doesn't know God, you would love if there was this on-off switch, right? it's flipped off, that that they're turned off towards God, and you just want to flip it to on, and instantly, boom, they're just going to turn to and surrender to God. We can't make somebody, but certainly we can share, we can go, we can give opportunity, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit who draws to God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit who nudges and, and kind of brings that heart and brings that life to come to know God. Now, there is a Greek word for draw about the Holy Spirit who draws, and it, it, it literally means to drag, kind of this, you know, draw or drag, kind of like a, a rope tied around your waist. The Holy Spirit is, is trying to draw towards those who are away from God to draw them towards and bring them to God and the plan that he has for their life. How many of you know God's plan is better than any plan that you or I could have? Now, so many people who are without God don't know that, don't understand that. And part of what the Holy Spirit is doing is nudging. It is drawing people towards God. Listen, some, sometimes individuals, even here at church, maybe God's kind of nudging or drawing you to come and and to hear more about what God has in store for your heart and in your life. Today, uh, there's that nudge about sometimes what to do or what to say. It's, It's that nudging. It's that guidance. But the Holy Spirit, it's drawing hearts, and it's pointing them to God. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit draws us to God. Why? Because God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for my life, and he's wanting to draw us closer to be a part of that. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can. We're going to give you that opportunity today. We've got an opportunity to put our faith, to put our trust in Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit is drawing us to him. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the powerful part of the gospel is this. He's come to die upon the cross for your heart, for your life, for your sins, everything that's been a part of your past, to cleanse and to forgive that. He's wanting to draw you, nudge you, direct you to God. Now, as we then surrender our heart and surrender to God, we've been drawn towards God. Yes, the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit draws. But the Holy Spirit, number three, leads Part of what the Holy Spirit does, not just drawing us to God, but now leading and guiding. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. There's, there's guidance and direction. Why? The Holy Spirit knows the mind and the heart and the desires of God, and not just in drawing us to Him, but now leading us, To live in and for him. And so there's this constant battle Uh, the battle between the the flesh or the sinful nature and the things of the spirit. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and following, Paul kind of puts it this way the, the battle that goes inside of us. He says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying there's this war, this battle being waged within us, The the flesh and the desire to do some of these wrong things, sinful things, things against God. But he's saying the Holy Spirit is not just drawing but desiring to lead us to live for God. And so verse 22 says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. You see, the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit draws us to God. And as a Christian, as a believer, the Holy Spirit is now leading us. Understand, it's not forcing us. Big distinction, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us like a puppet using a a puppeteer, like a robot. He's not forcing us, but he is leading us. Holy Spirit draws and the Holy Spirit leads. He says, since we're living by the Spirit, if you've got a relationship with God, you put him first in your life. The goal and the desire is to live by the Spirit. And he says, let's follow the Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit is leading us in every part of our lives. He said he's to come to live inside of us, to lead us and help us stay in perfect alignment with the will of God. How many of you love technology? Not a whole lot of hands. How many of you are fed up with technology? It's just too modern. We were almost there, right? We, we, we almost could have brought out some candles and, and uh, without our electricity, and you just could have had a bunch of uh, candles all, all around. Uh, we were ready with some ring lights to, uh, to illuminate up here, plugged into a computer without electricity, but... When it comes to technology, you've seen the advancements in everything from computers to cell phones to vehicles, right? How many of you have seen, uh, not just with electric vehicles, but a lot of the new kinds of technology when it comes to vehicles? It's, it's mind-blowing. You've probably heard about self-driving cars. Kind of interesting, a little scary, right, to be in a vehicle that just drives by itself, you're hoping that the computer is a good driver. I mean, some of you are a little, uh, little hesitant. You know, if you've got a, a teenage driver to drive with them, how many of you getting in the vehicle without a driver? Right? Automated self-driving car. But some of the even, uh, you know, less expensive, less technologically advanced vehicles have got some pretty impressive technology. Uh, One such feature you've probably seen or heard in some of these uh, advertisements and commercials is called in-lane assist. And the car that has that has cameras and sensors all the way around it so that it can see the stripes of the lane that you are in. And then it alerts you if you start to veer outside of your lane. A, a light comes on the dashboard and a high-pitched noise will remind you to correct your mistake and adjust the steering wheel to get back in alignment, back in the midst of your lane. That would also probably, you know, if you were starting to fall asleep and you started to, you know, kind of veer outside of your lane, you'd get the, uh, the announcement on your dashboard and, and the high-pitched noise to kind of get you back where you needed to be. See that the car then uses cameras and sensors to also control the speed on the distance to the car in front of you. That means that if the car slows down in front of you and you're not paying attention, it would then apply the brakes on its own, keeping you safe. A, a little exciting, a little bit maybe uh, nerve-wracking, you know, to have this kind of uh, maybe technology on our behalf Uh, but the purpose behind it is hopefully to keep you and i safe as we travel hopefully to keep us inside the lane in between the guidelines now it's not car technology but in a little bit of a similar fashion the holy spirit works in your heart and works in my heart Okay, maybe not with a light on a dashboard, maybe not with a high-pitched squeal or squeak or noise that, that jumps into our life, but the Holy Spirit desires to keep you and I in the lane, in the will of God, how he's created us, and to try to keep us far from the life of destruction that is so prevalent, right? You and I have all kinds of opportunities in this world. And and we were reading about that, Galatians chapter 5. There's all kinds of things you and I can be a part of. And as we begin veering towards some of those things, it's the Holy Spirit who has drawn us to God in the first place to lead us into that relationship with God, and then as a Christian to lead us then away from the sinful pleasures of the world. And so, no doubt, you have probably experienced as a Christian, or even some of you, uh, you're not a Christian, but you've kind of sensed this nudging in your heart and in your life that you shouldn't be doing some things. A lot of times, people just simply talk about the, the inner voice or the conscience. Listen, the Holy Spirit's working to draw. The Holy Spirit's working to nudge and lead. If you're a Christian and you begin kind of veering outside of the lane towards something that's sinful and against and away from God, have you sensed a little bit of that nudge? Holy Spirit nudging and leading you back into the lane. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does. Again, some people might say it's kind of that gentle nudge. Sometimes they feel like they've been kind of slapped upside the head, like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? The Holy Spirit's leading us. It's kind of like that spiritual lane assist. Now, you and I are free to make our own choices. That's a, a little bit of the difference here, right? The, the in-lane assist, some of this technology of the car, if you're not paying attention and the car in front of you stops, uh, this technology says it's going to stop the car for you. But When it comes to you and I spiritually... And the Holy Spirit's leading or nudging or saying, don't get so close to this sin. It's not going to automatically, the Holy Spirit doesn't automatically stop. It's going to lead us and nudge us, but you and I have a choice to make, right? You see, in technology and many of these things, we don't have all of the choice. But spiritually, we do have the choice. Now, why would you want to live without some of these things? Why would you not want to follow the leading and nudging of the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's because sometimes we want to be in control, right? The nudging of God says, no, don't do this. Sin, stay far away from that. And sometimes we say, but I kind of like that, God. But I want to do it anyway, God. See, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to force us to obey God, but leads us, guides us, directs us to obey God. You and I have got a choice to make. When the sense and the nudge and the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit guides us away from sin, we can follow that leading and say, thank you, or we can go ahead and do our own thing. See, the challenge is so many well-meaning Christians don't want to surrender, don't want to relinquish control of their lives. They want to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. You've never met anybody like that, have you? Don't look around. Because that person you might be looking at that you're thinking about, they're probably thinking of you as they look at you. Right? Unfortunately, sometimes that happens with us. We choose not to follow the Holy Spirit's nudge and leaning. See, God desires to provide for you and I. God desires to give purpose and meaning in our life. God desires to lead us into the plan and purpose that he has. And so many times we're just moving in and out of the lane that God has for us. Why? Because we want control. We want to live our life our way as opposed to his way. But part of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does, he's a person. He will guide and direct, drawing us to God and leading us in the way of God. See, if we refuse to listen to that nudge, listen to that voice, uh, listen to that leading, we can choose to do our own response. But I trust that you would have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit And typically, uh, the the greater uh, and the more often that we choose to obey and follow and nudge the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, uh, the greater we tend to hear and sense the Holy Spirit. It's it's kind of like talking. When when you hear somebody's voice and uh, the more that you interact with them, the more that you get used to their voice and you can distinguish it amongst other individuals. Uh, But if you're never talking and communicating with them, it's maybe a little bit difficult to hear and distinguish their voice. I think in a a similar way when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that nudging, that guidance, that leading, the more that we sense and obey and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more we begin to get, get that sense of and understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit draw you to God and lead you in the way of God.